Hey folks, fun one for you today. Sat down with Paul Holden of Locked On Rockies to go over some of the top prospects in the Colorado system. Does shortstop Ezekiel Tovar start at the big league level, or does he go to AAA or AA? El Haris Montero and Michael Toglia, where do you find playtime for them when you have CJ Crone at first base and Charlie Blackman at DH? And then we talked the development of Zach Veen and why it stalled and why we're a little bit concerned about where his ultimate ceiling may be. It's a fun one for you. Check it out. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans and well, baseball fans. It's a locked on podcast network crossover. One of the Rockies fans favorite crossovers. We are crossing over locked on MLB prospects today. Lindsey Crosby joins me. He is the best in the biz when it comes to letting us know about the past, the present and the future of all teams and especially <laughs> our beloved Colorado Rockies. Lindsay, welcome into the show. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, this is the Locked On Podcast Network where you can find your team every day. If you want to see these podcasts, well, you can find them on YouTube, Locked On MLB Prospects and Locked On Rockies. Your subscription there is a massive help for the show and you can follow along on your favorite streaming service. Just search Locked On MLB Prospects or Locked On Rockies and you will find both of our wonderful pods and uh, Lindsay, let's just uh, let's just kind of start. Uh, let's hit the ground running here. And okay. and I'm curious, the Rockies finally are saying, let's play the young guys. I, I think this is really one of the first times last year. I can honestly say the Rockies said, you know what? We're just going to go with what we got, because I didn't expect to see Sean Bouchard, Michael mm -hmm. Tolia, uh, Aloris Montero all get play time, playing time. And, and yeah. not to mention Ezekiel Tovar got, uh, you know, a little bit of time there. And, 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 and uh, that, that brief mention, we saw Brian Servin come up for the Rockies and, and, and catch for them is, is, are, is this finally the Rockies saying, we're just going to see what we got. And that's because they didn't do anything of note, of big note in free agency. I was really hoping for that Bellinger signing to, to fill the outfield, but it seems like the Rockies are saying, let the kids play. It it feels like this is finally the moment, and the the switch flipped sometime last year, right? Like you mentioned, I mean, you called up Montero, uh, you give play time to Michael Toglia. The Ezekiel Tovar one was the big one to me, where we were watching, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is happening." Because if you look at like what what Tovar does last year, I mean, he gets he spends sixty six games in Double A, and then he's in Albuquerque for like a week. And they're like, let's go ahead and do it. And he comes up, he spends more time in Colorado than he does in Albuquerque. And so, in, you know, interesting results you get out of that. But I think it's kind of emblematic of they said, okay, we could be going full youth movement as soon as 2023. We want to get a sample, see what he's good at, see what he's not good at. And we learned a lot of information about Ezekiel Tovar, both from his time in the minors, his year, his good year in the high minors, as well as that short sample at the bigs, kind of learned a lot. Um, I know you've already covered it, but like in the minors last year, between AA and AAA, 319, 387, 540, 14 home runs, 32 extra base hits, 
27 walks to 66 strikeouts and 17 to 20 on stolen bases. That is a good, that is a very good year in the minors. Uh, not a full year, obviously, was dicked up a little bit injury wise. But I think him spending a week and a half, almost two weeks in Colorado to close the season out kind of showed them, okay, here's what we need to work on. And if it's me, I probably start him off in Albuquerque to start this season. But I have a pretty strong feeling that Ezekiel Tovar is going to open opening day as the shortstop for the Colorado Rockies. That was going to be my my next question. I mean, Jose yeah. Iglesias is no longer with the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies have not been in on really any sort of infielder that I've seen. All the talk for the Rockies at the winter meetings was we want to find the power hitting left handed bat for the outfield. There hasn't been any talk. I I'm convinced too. I I, I think the unless something happens and and maybe the, this might be where a piece we'll we'll get into later, but. I'm the same way. I, can Rockies fans sit here and be confident in Ezekiel Tovar starting for the Rockies next year? Is is that a mistake to bring him up into the big leagues and kind of just throw him to the to the Wolves? Or could we maybe get, not on the same level, but a Julio Rodriguez-type moment where he's ready for it? He tore up the minors and he's ready for, for this? So looking at those nine games and kind of seeing where he struggled, right? So... When you watch him, it was very evident that the struggles that he was having was the breaking stuff and the off-speed stuff. Uh, I want to say breaking pitches, he had one hit and 35 at-bats off of a breaking pitch. And on both of those, it was about 45% swing and miss on both breaking pitches and off-speed pitches. And it really feels like it's something that's fixable, kind of a confluence of a couple different factors. One, uh, he was very aggressive as far as swinging at the first pitch of the at-bat. And so when you do that, you get yourself into pitcher's counts, and then there's more opportunities to uh, get multiple chase sliders off the plate and things like that. Uh, 45% of his at-bats in the bigs, he swung at the first pitch. The MLB average is about 28%. And so I feel like some of it is, is I mean, he wasn't very comfortable at the plate, but I think a lot of that was kind of self-inflicted wounds. And it's a situation where you absolutely can work over the winter. You can work in spring training about force-feeding him breaking pitches, force-feeding him off, you know, change-ups and things like that, and working to pick up and recognize the spin. Uh, do, do I think he'll come out and hit 300 in the bigs next year? Probably not, but it's definitely like it's definitely fixable. It's not a, a a inherent problem that is just this is who Ezekiel Tovar is. It very much is a the approach maybe was a little bit flawed, and MLB is very very quick to make adjustments to young hitters now. And by the end of those nine games, he was getting almost exclusively breaking stuff and off speed, and so. Now he has to adjust. I'm confident in his baseball instincts that he can adjust, but that's why I would have started him in in Albuquerque for probably the first month or two is make sure whatever changes he baked in over the offseason actually stick before you count on him to be the guy on opening day. It's going to be interesting, too, the Rockies getting a new hitting coach this year as well. We'll be in, coming over from the Yankees there has a has – a, 
has a quite the repertoire. I mean, when when the news first broke, uh, you know, uh, our friend Stace there on Unlocked on, on Yankees was was up to, upset to see him go. So maybe that's going to help because the Rockies have an issue with striking out and not getting on base. A big issue. Uh, one of the big things with losing Connor Joe for the Rockies in favor of these young guys is who's going to be the one that takes those extended at bats. Who is and when you're turning to just young guys out of the ones we've seen, Sean Bouchard's really the only one that it has shown the great plate discipline that you're hoping for. So I just think Tovar has really big shoes to fill. And mm-hmm. this is the kind of year where it's okay, I think, for him to start. But at the same time, I don't want them to mess this up. I mean, if he really right. is as special as they believe in him, if he just needs a little bit more time in Albuquerque just to iron out the things from the offseason, I'm okay with it because I think you can figure out the other pieces, but I, but I, I'm, I, I think you can safely say that out of all of the prospects, Tovar's probably the most interesting one out of the, I call them the big four. I talk a lot about the big four, Tovar, right. Montero, Bouchard, and Tolia. Tovar seems to be the one to be the most excited about out of those four. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And I do think he has probably the best ceiling provided that the the power where the power comes in like right now it's very much a contact over a uh, power profile you know kind of a nice line drive swing but he absolutely can add more pop as he finishes developing he is I mean and we a lot of people forget this I mean he is very young I want to say he's maybe just now 21 years old he did all of that last year at age 20 and so there's still a little bit of physical development in there. I want to say six foot, like 175. I mean, I'm six foot, like I'm bigger than that. I'm six foot 185. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm bigger than a professional shortstop. It just feels like he's got a little bit of physical development left. And if the power comes in, I'm confident enough in the contact ability because your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. I'm confident enough that he's going to have the highest ceiling of the big four. And I want to talk about another member of the big four power being a a big part of his game and kind of trying to find a piece for him. And that's Hilary's Montero. But before I do that, got to tell you about our friends at bet online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You were telling me, Lindsay, that uh, you got the updated world series odds from our friends at bet online and uh the rockies gotta have great odds that's what we were talking about the fantastic odds fantastic odds as in not at the bottom the worst (laughs) odds uh the nationals the athletics and the reds all at 300 to one and i think the reds are going to be better than that this year going on the record now pirates at 200 to one and then royals and rockies together at 150 to one but the new the, the big update was with Carlos Correa. The Astros are still the favorites, but the Mets are now second best odds to make uh, to to make the World Series, you know, seven to one. So that was the big change with the Carlos Correa news. And I'm sure y'all are happy he's no, not going to be in the West here. Absolutely. If you can get in on some prop, change your prop bets if you want now with the Rockies because they're not going to deal with Carlos Correa. But uh, that's what you can do at Bet Online. They got all sorts of uh, prop bets future bets, all sorts of stuff across all the professional and amateur leagues out there. Pro football, the playoffs underway, bowl season. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So why don't you head to the website or use your mobile device today? Let me put that up there on the old screen. You can find our friends at BetOnline as well. That's BetOnline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
We are talking with Lindsey Crosby, Locked On MLB Prospects. Or if you're listening on Lindsey's feed, Lindsey's talking to me, Paul Holden from Locked On Rockies. And the, I'm really excited by Ailerys Montero. I love his attitude when he talks after the game of saying, we haven't seen him the, the full version yet because what he's already shown on offense excites me enough because he might be the power bat the Rockies could develop. He might be the one that fills that Trevor Story shoe, those those Trevor Story shoes the and such. But where the heck do the Rockies play him? And then this goes into our Tovar conversation. If Tovar is not the shortstop, then I think the obvious answer is to move Rymac to shortstop and have mm -hmm. Aileries play third base. But where the Rockies have contracts, they are blocking one of the biggest, if not the biggest piece of the Nolan Arenado trade. Yeah, and and there, there's there been questions among people outside of the organization about is Montero going to stick at third? Is he going to have to move to first? He's a he's a big boy. I mean, 6'3", 2, I, I've seen uh, 2, I've seen 220, 225, and I'm like, he's about 235, so from what I've been told, but... Uh, with the kind of the big frame and the the mobility's not amazing, the speed's not great. There's been questions about what he need to go to first. Uh, I think he could make it work at third. I think you could be fine with him at third. And so short term, if Tovar's not ready, there's a bit like you said, a very easy answer about having Ryan play short and put Montero at third. Uh, long term, I, I like the fact that CJ Crone's on an expiring deal. And that Charlie Blackman is on a, an expiring deal and possibly the la last year he'll play baseball uh, because it gives you options moving forward. I think when I look at Montero and Toglia, I think Toglia would do a little bit better in like a right field than Montero would or in a left field. And so it gives you options for, you know, this year you kind of plug in Montero around where he needs to be. Uh, you know, try to find him time. He struggled last year a little bit when it came to sliders and curveballs. That was kind of his issue last year. So giving him some time to work on that. But the pull side power is absolutely real there in cores. Um, similar to to Ezekiel Tovar, he's a little too aggressive early in the count, gets into to pitcher's counts. That's where he struggles as well. Uh, but I think he has good enough power where the uh, good enough contact ability where the plus power is going to give you the source of power that you need. Um, obviously, you'd rather him stick at third. It's a more valuable position. But I do think he could play first at a above average level. And so there's a couple different paths depending on when Tovar's ready, right? Um, you know, in worst case scenario, if you're not contending at the deadline, there's always teams that need guys. There is an option to move a CJ Crone and put Montero in at first base. So maybe an option there as well, depending. But you got to find playtime for him. Might be at third, might be at first. I don't quite think he'd work out in the outfield. So he has a little bit less flexibility than somebody like a Toglia does. And and correct me if I'm wrong, though, the idea with, with Toglia is they brought Todd Helton into work. I mean, he's supposed to be the next. When you're being told that you're the next Todd Helton, like, I mean, yeah. you know, is he supposed to settle for right field? That's really my big issue is those two big prospects are kind of coming head to head because 
Ryan McMahon can still play gold glove caliber defense at third. I didn't like mm-hmm. the move to short last year because I liked his defense there. And 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 then they got great production from, from Jose Iglesias. I don't want Brendan Rodgers to move from second base. He is the he needs to stay Leave right there. where he Leave is. Yeah. And now I'm just sitting here and I'm just scratching my head and I'm just I really don't want Tolia and Montero to to be competing for playing time. CJ Crone's got to get traded. I, I really th- like, and as great as CJ Crone is, CJ Crone should have been traded last year, especially with the way the Rockies embraced it. But yeah. CJ Crone's not your future. And as great as CJ Crone is, I love, I think he, he really was someone that the Rockies have benefited. A great move from the Rockies all in all. He can't get in the way of these two. Like, especially it's like you said, they got to get playing time. Yeah. And if you, if I have, my preference on how to set this up. I'm making Toglia the everyday first baseman. I do think defensively he is very, very good defensively. I'm making him the everyday first baseman. I'm making Montero the everyday DH. As guys get days off at first and third, he can play both of those. Um, And then Charlie Blackman is outfielder emeritus role. (laughs) I mean, I don't quite know... Okay, that works. Yeah, Cron getting traded. You're not going to trade Charlie Blackman. That's just not going to happen. But I think once those two guys are out of the picture, it's pretty set. You can do Togli at first, Montero at, at, uh, at DH. Now, I do think there is merit to giving Togli a little bit more time in the minors to adjust. And this is what's hard as well, is like his numbers in the minors were very good. Like, okay, last year, Small sample size in AAA Albuquerque, but 333, 413, 758. Seven home runs in 17 games. That doesn't necessarily look like a, sound like a guy that needs to be in the minors, but also had 22 strikeouts in those 17 games. And then in his 31 games in the majors, 216, 275, 378, 44 strikeouts in 31 games. And when I went in to kind of look at some of the advanced stats behind his strikeouts, he had issues with uh, sliders and curveballs and changeups and a little bit on forcing fastballs too. And it's like, well, okay, maybe offensively he does need a little bit more time to adjust to big league pitching. So uh, I could see a scenario where to start the year off, you have Montero sharing time at DH and first base. And then once Crone's out, traded the deadline. Then you have Toglia at first and Montero at DH. I can absolutely see how that's probably the best way to deploy them. And then that doesn't even get into what do you do with Nolan Jones? Right. Who you just went out and acquired as another corner infield prospect, although he is more of a of a contact over power guy, but he still has plenty of power. And so it's like, well, what do you do in that situation now? Because you've got a guy who can play first and third. Um, and I think he probably could work out a little bit in the outfield. They did do that when Jose Ramirez resigned, so he would give you more options in the outfield for both left and right. Uh, does have a strong arm, but it's just like you acquired a couple different guys that all kind of do the same corner infield stuff. Uh, and if too many of them work out, well, now you're now you're going to struggle here. So. Maybe the hope is that they get some good development and flip to be able to get some pitchers, but I don't know why you're not able to just get pitchers in those deals anyway. But uh, those are the, I think you're, I, I, I was kind of fully confident in those, in all four of these guys being up at the majors, but I don't, maybe it's not reasonable to think that because there is still Randall Gritchick. There's still Jonathan Daza. Like those two guys are still going to be playing 
consistently. I don't know what, how much um, Randall Gritchick's role might slip into being utility and being more off the bench and not seeing mm-hmm. as much starting. But the Rockies starting at, uh, with their in, with them not signing anyone, they are going to go with Jonathan Daza in center. They're going to go with Chris Bryan in left. And then right field kind of is open for anybody that day. Yeah. It wouldn't whoever's be so- hot, whoever's yeah. on a roll, whoever needs the play time. And real quick, like Jonathan Daza may not hit for a lot of power, but like, let's not forget over a 400 plate appearance sample last year, he batted 301. I mean, and so it is legitimate. Like it, that is a large enough sample where it kind of feels like that's what he is—a high, a high batting average, uh, defensive first center fielder. And so Bryant and left Daza and center. Again, you have that right field. If Randall Gritchick is tearing it up, let him go ahead and do that. If not, you've got flexibility to move things around. Like we said, you can put Togley in there. You can put Jones in there a little bit. You can move around as you need to. Um, but this is something where give the kids the opportunity to do this because right now the only everyday regulars that are under the age of 30 is Ryan McMahon at 28, Brendan Rodgers at 26, and Ezekiel Tovar at 21. And so, you know, once you get Crone and Gritchick and Blackman replaced with three more youngsters, brings the average age of the whole entire team down, and then also – gives you a little bit of extra athleticism you don't quite have right now on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and uh, we're talking a lot about the outfield. And before we started, you mentioned a, a, a hot take about uh, one of the, the hottest, if not the, the hottest Rockies prospect at the end of the season, Zach Veen. We're going to dive into that next. But did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Admission. Lindsey Crosby, Paul Holden here, uh, a little locked on crossover, diving into the uh, kind of not so much into the the full farm of the Rockies, more so the fact that the farm is here for uh, uh, the Rockies. And it's a big, big moment for a lot of these players. And um, I I did this on my podcast yesterday, Lindsey. And before we dive into Zach Veen, I'm kind of I think the Rockies going small this free agency not inactive you can't say the rockies have not done anything this offseason because that is not true the rockies have made uh, i think around five deals including trades i mean maybe even mm-hmm. up to six deals at this point i with the craziness that we've seen in free agency and a lot of the money spent as much as i want the rockies to to, to buy in this isn't the worst year to just say let's see what we got yeah and and kind of given the state of the division how some of the other teams got better. Uh, I, I fully understand taking this year as a year to integrate some of the prospects. And I mean, at a certain point, they need playtime to, to adjust. Like that, it just, no matter how well you prepare them, most guys need playtime in the bigs 
to let the league see what they can do, adjust to them, and then what is can they adjust after the league, you know, accommodate gets a scouting report on them. And that's the big thing. And when we talk about scouting reports, I've I've started to see a trend in the different scouting reports on Zach V. And I mean, I still think he's he's one of the better prospects in the system. But the worrying trend that I am seeing is you're seeing less and less of the different rating agencies, whether it's MLB Pipeline, whether it's Fangraphs, whether it's Baseball America. You're starting to see them downgrade his power ceiling a bit. Uh, There's this really interesting gap between his raw power, what you see in batting practice, what you see in the cage, and his game power. And strangely, which doesn't always happen for these young players, that gap seems to be getting bigger and not smaller. It reminds me, the biggest prospect miss that I think I had was um, Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward was another outfielder, big body, tons of raw power. He's crushing balls out of the ballpark at batting practice at spring training. And then never had a season, I think, where he hit more than like 23 home runs. Just It just never manifested. Had some 10 home run seasons for a guy that was 6'4", 235. Zach Veen is not that size. He's, you know, he's 6'4", 200 or so. And he's got a lot more speed. Fantastic speed. But the power doesn't seem to be coming in. And so I think Fangraphs downgraded his, um, his game power to a, currently to a 35 on a potential of a 50, whereas it used to be, you know, 60 or 70. Uh, MLB Pipeline downgraded his, 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 uh, his future power to a 50 from a 60. And so I think we kind of have to, to understand, like, he's going to steal a lot of bases. He's at above average speed, but he's super aggressive, great instincts on it. I love in Arizona. 18 games in Arizona, stole 16 bases. It just was a machine. Yeah, he, I mean, he tore it up in Arizona. He was a machine, but he hits a lot of ground balls on the ground. And for a guy that has the good speed and could play center field, they haven't put him in center field at all. He's not played a, a professional inning in center field in Colorado, to my knowledge. And so... I understand the argument about like you want to preserve a, a, a young player's legs and things like that. But what I worry about is if he ends up being a, an above average contact ability, below average to average power guy, but he's also not playing center field, there's questions about the profile of how that fits in right. And so to me, you either need to put him in center field so that you can make sure he can give you above average defense in center field like we think he can, or he needs to develop that power. And mind you, he's only 21 years old. He still has time for that. But you're in that weird in-between. He doesn't have the power for right, but he's also not playing center. We need to figure out one of those two things needs to happen. Because right now, the center fielder is on the roster. If you look at... I mean, at the big league level, it's Jonathan Daza. And then I guess you could try Randall Gritchick in center. Randall Gritchick, I think, did get some time in center last yeah. last season. But it's just, it's it's one of those questions. Bouchard profiles as a corner outfielder. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's, he's going to give you the power. Look at what he did last year in 27 games. He 
had a he was probably the most impressive out of all four of out of all of them he was he was really good too yeah his his slugging percentage was something like like 500 i mean his his career minor league slugging percentage is 497 i mean the dude's got power and so but but everything else he kind of profiles as a as a you know a, a corner a corner outfielder and so that's you're in that weird in, be- in between with Zach Veen. You know, you either need to develop the power so he can stick in right, or you need to put him in center and make sure he can actually do it. Kind of maybe uh, could kind of fall into a Rymel Tapia type situation. Hits the ball on the ground a lot. Maybe not a similar build and not, not in terms of prospect, but what could happen. Tapia, what we were always saying, man, if this dude could hit the ball off the ground, yeah, in the he, air. And, and then the few times he did leave the yard, Tapia, he was he was taking DeGrom and Scherzer. I mean, he's taken the best in the business. The four home runs he'd hit a year were off of the best. But, you know, so is that – do you see the Rockies turning to – because that's what I think. I'm, 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 with, when I'm watching it, the Rockies either are saying, Jonathan Daza is it, and we're going, Jonathan Daza is our center fielder, and then – We'll give Veen a little bit more time to cook while we figure out these other pieces because how long is Bryant going to play left field before he just goes to being the full-time DH for this team? And like you said, it wouldn't be surprising to me if the because Charlie Blackman's going to be a lot of DHing, I'd imagine, next year. Same with CJ Crone, hopefully, to get Montero the playing time. But yeah. if those two are gone, you open up your DH and Chris Bryant as your DH seems like a pretty good option, especially if you're looking to places to put Maybe Veen plays left because you're confident in Daza there in center and right field. You keep just doing your your cycle of of your your you know your Tolias and and people that need to to find a spot. So I'm wondering if if that's more of the plan because I yeah like you said I don't hear Veen in center field and and when you talk outfield the Rockies that's the big issue right now is who's going to play center field. I really like Jonathan Daza for sure. Yeah, but. Zach Veen's supposed to kind of be the next big outfield prospect. So, you know, I was hoping that center field was going to be part of his game. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we just haven't seen it. And that's, that's what's wild to be like, the belief is that he'd be great at it. He's like with the long strides, he could, he can get right and left to make plays. He's got good range and everything and, you know, charges in on balls really well, really good reads and routes and reactions and everything. And it's like, well, then play him and, center field and they just haven't done it and not a lot of teams are really teams that will keep a guy in the corners in the minors and then move them to center in the majors so it's just it's just a weird disconnect between what he looks like and what he produces and this is ignoring the 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 struggles in in double a last year and i think that's just something where you see that a lot of times when guys get promoted and stuff like that He's he's got just the big build of a slug of a corner outfield slugger, but he's not slugging, and he's not playing center field. I just wa- I just wanted to do one of those two, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that he's never going to hit the future pre- projection of a five tool player who's contending for all star games if he doesn't do one of the two. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, but I'm I'm okay if Veen takes a little bit more time. I mean, yeah. in the minors, I I'm okay if to me. Veen shouldn't be up before the all-star break. I re- I just don't, I don't think there you, especially when you're until you figure out your plan with the, with the big four that we've talked about all on all this episode, 
don't rush Veen. Let him work on that. See if we can get that slugging. See if we can work on that in a place that's gonna. You know, Albuquerque's a, a place where you can go and learn on some hitting. That they that they they do good work down there. Uh, teaching mm-hmm. teaching in Albuquerque. They've had had some success. Lindsay, I just want to hit you with just two kind of rapid fire questions to close because I think a lot of people might be curious. The Rockies need to have a fifth spot in the rotation open. The Rockies turned to a lot of young guys in terms of a bullpen last year and no one outside of Tyler Kinley before his injury last year makes you excited. Is there anyone you're seeing on this Rockies roster either at the major or the minor league level to be excited about for pitching? Because this team's going to struggle without Carlos Estevez. That's, that's, a, that's a loss for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he comes up and pitches next year as a starter, uh, but one of like the low-rated guys in the system, I kind of like Joe Rock. A lot of my people man, that's what really, I was hoping to hear. A lot by of people all aren't modern. really on the Joe Rock train, but I'm a Joe Rock guy. Number sixty-eight, you know, uh, signed for just under a million dollars. And if you go out and you look at his Hartford stats, you'd be like, oh, hit an area ten in two starts, eight innings, small sample size, but. When you look and see what he does, right? So he's got a cutter that he can, he can mid 90s, he can hit 96 with it, which, you know, as a lefty, you love that kind of velocity. And then he's got a power curve to go along with it. The power curve compared to one of those loopier curveballs plays really well in altitude. Uh, the changeup's getting better. And then it all comes out of a kind of funky delivery. The arm slot's a little lower. So it's good velo for a lefty and unique stuff from a really interesting delivery and arm slot means it's just a tough profile for guys to get used to. And as long as he can, uh, you know, harness the control a little bit, not walk as many guys and not put himself in, in, in too many hitters counts, I think that stuff would absolutely work in the rotation. It's just a matter of you've got to, He's got to be able to land the stuff for strikes consistently. He walked, I want to say it was 45 guys in Spokane last year and 107 innings. So obviously too much. Cut that down by a third. You're cooking with gas, baby. Can't we? The free passes, especially of course, are a big no-no. We saw that bite the Rockies bullpen a lot last year. Oh boy, nothing, nothing I would love more than a bobcat on the Rockies. Let me tell you, two of my, wor- my worlds colliding. Lindsay, I just want to, I want to close. The Rockies prospect you're most excited for, is it Tovar or most excited for, but most likely to perform next year? It doesn't have to be rookie of the year. Doesn't have to be. I'm mm-hmm. saying establishes themselves as this is a guy the Rockies are going to want to keep around or sets the, sets the case to, to, to make that argument. I like Montero. I like what Montero can do. I know that Togley is the better defender. Um, at first base, you can get away with some of that. I just like the combination of the power and the hit tool together because we said all the time, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. And uh, I've been amazed every time when I think that Elvis Montero is, is struggling, he figures it out, he fixes it. And he's got issues with slider curveballs right now, but that's something you can fix. The pull side power is absolutely real. I think especially once you see somebody get moved closer to the deadline and him get more consistent playing time. I think he's going to surprise a lot of us. I Montero's mine to watch as well. I mean, I'm really interested by Tovar as well, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, we'll see Montero is just a, he, the way he talks 
when he was up, that's the stuff that gets me excited is because he knows he can get better. And that's the type of stuff that I want to uh, want like to hear. I'm really intrigued to see how all these prospects pan out. If you want to stay up to date with Rockies prospects, every prospect in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the place to go. I'm your home for the Locked On Rockies podcast. Paul Holden, I should say host. That's more <laughs> my my the YouTube channel is your home, but your home for uh, MLB prospects across. Like we said, past, present, everything you need. Lindsey Crosby's got you covered there. Lindsey, uh, anything else to, to to close us out here before we before we get ready to go? Uh, there's a ton of talent here, and you guys like if if you embrace the youth move, like if it's a rough season this year, but you embrace the youth movement, know that like you're going to be better, and that there is a path forward. You're not stuck in purgatory like the athletics. You know this is a situation where yes, you may have some struggles with the record, but there is a clear path to contention, and it's getting these young kids acclimated. Let the kids play. I think Let that God has to be the motto this year. And folks, you just got to gotta go for the ride. I think it'll be more entertaining baseball to watch, knowing that this year, instead of being confused like last year. But for uh, Lindsey Crosby, Locked On MLB Prospects, this is Paul Holden saying so long from the Locked On Podcast Network.